Well, can we give you all a very warm and sincere word of welcome to this service of thanksgiving for the life of Ian David Gilmore. We really appreciate your attendance here this afternoon and we trust that God will visit our hearts and bless us today and give grace and help for this occasion. It's a very sad time, of course, and we do sympathize with all of David's family and all of his friends. And we know that David was very well known in the locality and was a a man that everybody knew and seemed to get on well with, and we really appreciate uh, your attendance with us this afternoon. Special words of sympathy and our prayers are with the family, especially to uh, Alison today. We pray that God will encourage you and help you in these days, and also to David's brother-in-law, Terry, the husband of David's uh, deceased sister, Judith, and nephews and nieces and friends and family members as well. We do pray that God will give grace and help in these days and even for this short time together in this building that the Lord will draw near and make his presence to be felt and known. David was brought up in the uh, Reformed Presbyterian Church as a covenanter and so the Psalms were something that were very close to his heart, especially in recent weeks and months and he drew a lot of comfort from the Psalms. Psalm 121 is a very well-known psalm, and it was a psalm that David read quite a lot, quoted from quite a bit as we talked together. I'm just going to read the psalm from the Bible, and then we can stand in just a moment or two and sing the psalm together. And it's Psalm 121. The Word of God records it. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. Now we'll stand together in just a moment after we get the right note to start with and sing this psalm as it's recorded there on the inside of your order of service. And let's sing uh, unto the Lord's praise and glory. And that's of good singing as we think about David and we think about uh, his funeral service today. Let's really sing this out with all of our hearts. I to the hills will lift mine eyes from whence doth come mine aid. <clears throat>
once again. Just before we pray together, there will be a short committal in Port Stewart Cemetery, and that will be very brief and short because uh, the weather's not so favorable today, so we'll not keep you standing long at the graveside at all. And then directly after that, uh, there's some refreshments provided in the Lord's Hotel. But let's pray together and ask the Lord's blessing and presence and help and his comfort to be with us today. Let's just take a few moments, let's still our hearts and let's lift our eyes and our hearts heavenward and pray that God will give us strength and help today. Everlasting Father, we come before the throne of grace this afternoon in the worthy and precious name of our Saviour. We thank thee today that thou art our God and God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And Lord, we realize that in this world we live in, man that is born of woman is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world, O God, that's broken. And all around us we confess that we see change and we see decay and oftentimes we experience trial and affliction and adversity. And we acknowledge, O God, that we need thy help. We thank thee that thy word says, be still and know that I am God. And we pray that even now in the quietness of this church sanctuary, as we're met together in the Savior's name, as our heads are bowed in thy presence, we pray that the presence of the Lord will fill this house. We ask, O oh Father, that thou wilt cause our hearts and minds to focus in these moments upon things that really matter. We acknowledge, Lord, that we're often caught up with the things of time and sense and of very little thought oftentimes of God or of spiritual things or of eternity. But Lord, here we are today reminded once again of the blessing of life and also the brevity of life and the trials and the hardships of life and the reality, O God, of death. And we just thank Thee, O God, for the life of David. We thank Thee that he was a, a friend to so many people in this locality. We thank Thee, Lord, for friends here today that Lord David knew and loved. And we just thank Thee, Lord, for his family and his loved ones as well. We thank You, Lord God, for the upbringing and the home that he was born into. We thank Thee, Father God, for the love and the care that he enjoyed even in his youth. We thank thee for the friendships that were forged in life's journey. And Lord God, we have to confess the heaviness that's within many hearts today. And Lord, it seems, O oh God, that life oftentimes can be hard and cruel. And sometimes, O oh God, we have questions that arise in our hearts, maybe even doubts at times and fears, and we wonder why things happen the way they do. But Lord God, we know that in the midst of all of life's highs and lows, that there's a God who cares and who understands. And we thank thee today that David came to know this God in his life. And we thank thee, O God, that he was able to put his faith and trust in the Savior. And we thank thee, O God, even for the last weeks and months, Lord God, that he had on this earth. And Father, thou knowest, Lord, the pain and the suffering that he experienced. And yet we thank thee for the peace and the contentment and even the hope that he enjoyed within his heart that the Lord had gone on to prepare a place for him in glory. And Father, this makes all the difference in the world. 
Your word says that we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. What an awful thing, Lord, to live and die without any assurance of heaven. But Lord, we thank thee today that David had a clear assurance in his heart that because of who Jesus Christ is and what the Lord did for him upon that cross and shedding his blood that he would be able one day to enter into glory itself. And Father, we thank thee, O God, for the promise of heaven and home for all that trust in the Lord. And we pray, O God, today that the Spirit of God would come down into this gathering and that thou will speak into our hearts and into our lives. Give comfort, Lord, we pray. Lord, just remember David's immediate family circle here this afternoon. We commit them, Lord, to thyself. We ask, loving Father, that they might know the help of God and the grace of God in their lives. We pray especially for Alison here and we pray that you'll just give her traveling mercies as she goes home in a few days' time. And Lord God, we pray that you'll comfort her heart and bless her today in Jesus' name. And remember Terry and Lord God, all of the memories that he would have of David. And we pray for nephews and nieces. We pray for friends and loved ones. We think, Lord, of those who were especially close to David and were such an encouragement to him in recent days. And Lord, over the last number of months and even years, we pray for Mark and Phyllis here today and their family also. And we pray that you'll comfort them and help them and uplift them and uphold them. So Father, we pray now that the Spirit of God will speak. And Lord, lead us on with yourself. And make this, Lord, a sad occasion. Lord, make it, O God, in some respects to be a happy occasion as well. As we think of David's life and David's Saviour, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us through thy word. So, Lord, hear and answer prayer. We ask it in the Saviour's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Amen. I got to know David Gilmore a good number of years ago here in the town of Coleraine. My wife and family spent 12 happy years in this area. And during that time, we got to know many different people and David was one of them, and we did really enjoy getting to know David. He often would have come out to different meetings here in the church, and then at other times as well, we had the privilege of getting to know David, maybe at times of uh, illness in Colerain Hospital. And then it was with great sadness we learned of his diagnosis last October, and around about that time, we were able to spend a little bit of time with David uh, on the phone and in his home there in James Street here in Colerain. And David, of course, was well known in this community and in the Port Stewart area as well. And I know that David loved this town and loved the people within it. He was a real uh, patriot as far as his country was concerned and certainly loved his town and his people. And I know that there are many here today that have heavy hearts because of his home calling. David certainly faced his cancer with dignity. It certainly wasn't easy. He didn't pretend that it was but he still had a tremendous hope and a very positive outlook and fought to the bitter end. And we are so thankful as well that David had a strong faith, especially in these last months in the Savior. And he certainly knew that a Savior had died for his sins upon the cross and had gone on before. And that was a wonderful help and a wonderful assurance to David. And we know today, I know today, and many others do, that David is present with the Savior and that's a wonderful thing. And those who know the Lord will one day see David again. Just going to ask Mark Fielding, please, to come. Mark and Phyllis, of course, are 
and have been friends of the Gilmore family and especially David for many, many years in civic life here in the Coleraine Borough. And we know that David, every time I spoke to him, spoke very, very highly of Mark and Phyllis both. And I know that he counted you as uh, two extremely good friends and we do thank you for your love and your care for him. And he certainly did not take that for granted. And we're going to ask Mark to come. And Mark's going to pay tribute to David's life at this time. So Mark, thank you so much. And may God bless you and help you as you pay tribute to David. Thank you. Well, David was the same age as myself, uh, except for six months. David was born on the 29th of January. 1963 to Elizabeth and Joseph Gilmore. He was the youngest of three children and had two sisters, Alison the eldest who is here today and Judith who sadly passed away in 2018. The family home was in Byrne Avenue off Strand Road in Port Stewart. By all accounts he had a happy childhood and living in Port Stewart you are never far away from the water. And on one occasion, David got lost on one of his fishing trips, but eventually was found. David attended Port Stewart Primary School and Korean Academical Institution, now known as Korean Grammar. At the age of 10, an event occurred which David was determined would never be allowed to be forgotten. On the 12th of June, 1973, David, along with his father and mother, were on railway road in Coleraine when a no-warning IRA bomb exploded, killing six pensioners. David left school at 16, working first at the nearby Edgewater Hotel, Port Stewart, and later Boyd's Garage in Port Rush, which is where Little Store is at present. He got his licence to drive a taxi and later went on to work for TransLink as a bus driver. In 1991, David moved into his own house at 13 James's Street. I first met David in May 1993 at the election count for the council elections that year, which took place in the former council offices. David was a candidate for the Ulster Unionist Party and got elected and I was there supporting a DUP candidate for the same area. David recalls how it was helpful being a bus driver as his bus runs included estates in Coleraine where he was a candidate. It was evident to me then that David was enthusiastic in his role as a councillor, but two years into his role and at the age of 30, David was diagnosed with epilepsy and unfortunately resigned as a councillor and also had to leave his employment as a bus driver with TransLink. So the two things that David loved most, driving and being a councillor and helping people, had been taken away from him. Undeterred, David turned a negative situation into positive effect, sending him down a new course, getting involved in epilepsy action Northern Ireland and also returning to education. David helped set up the Causeway Epilepsy Branch and was chairman or chairperson for many years. 
became a counsellor for epilepsy sufferers and working as a facilitator at epilepsy action events, sharing with others his own experience of the condition and also served on Epilepsy Northern Ireland Advisory Council. Through his studies in 2006, David graduated, graduated obtaining an honours degree in social policy and sociology at McGee University of Ulster. From 1993 up until 2005, our paths crossed, but it was from 2005 that we became particularly close. David called into the office of Gregory Campbell MP, where I worked, offering help for the elections that May. The following year, 2006, David was a great source of assistance to me in a council by-election where I was a candidate. David was confident on the doors and always had an answer for everybody. It was at this time that George Robinson, MLA, his future employer, got to know him. Ten months after graduating, David started employment as a researcher with George Robinson in 2007, following George's election for a second term to the Northern Ireland Assembly. David quickly engrossed himself with some gusto in the work required at Stormont for an MLA working there on a Monday and Tuesday, getting to know other staff and creating lasting friendships, and in the constituency office in Lima Valley the rest of the week. David's enthusiasm was unparalleled. He loved his job and was loyal to his employer, George. I know his efforts and campaigns on issues for George Robinson were recognised and appreciated by individuals right across the community in Lima Valley. David quickly made himself known at Stormont, and through his contacts he was instrumental in setting up the Epilepsy All-Party Group in the Northern Ireland Assembly. In 2015, David received Volunteer of the Year Award from Epilepsy Action, which he was immensely proud of, knowing that his volunteering and campaigning have improved the lives of people with epilepsy in Northern Ireland. David had a unique sense of humour and was quite witty. I soon found out that he also was particularly fond of the colour red. It was the colour of all the things he liked. Not necessarily all the things I liked, but colour of, he liked the colour of logo of Red was the colour of the logo of Formula One motor racing, of his beloved football team, Liverpool FC, and the, cross of, and the cross of Malta, the country he visited every year, sometimes twice a year. In fact, Phyllis and I have a collection of memorabilia that he brought us back from Malta. I also had a collection of red shirts, which are now in good use in Ukraine as he donated his shirts and clothes to a Christian charity working in Ukraine. So if, you, if you're ever in Ukraine you see ones of red shirts, there's a fair chance David came from David. David was forthright in his views and very direct with people. But I can honestly say we never had a cross word with each other. There were no half measures with David. I remember, and I don't know who told him to get them, 
I remember that he got rosettes for Lumavari candidates at an election. Well, they were the biggest rosettes I ever seen. And that they wouldn't have looked at a place at an agricultural show. <laughs> or when the time he came to a barbecue at a caravan and Vernon, he'd just come back from Malta and he must have thought he was still in Malta because he was wearing like an Hawaiian style shirt and three quarter length white trousers and flip flops, much to the amusement of my grandson, who later soaked him with one of them water soakers. We also worked along, he also worked alongside me for a week uh, in the office where I worked, and we had some laughs. I'll not say what we got up to, but there were a few bogus, you've been framed phone calls that came through. When David was diagnosed with cancer in October 20, 2021, he set, himself, he set himself a number of goals he wanted to achieve before he passed away. Firstly, David was the main driving force in the latter years of Corain Borough Council and then with the new Causeway Coast and Glens Borough Council to campaign for a permanent memorial for the victims of the 1973 Corain bomb on Railway Road and the, six and the six pensioners who were killed, often referred to as the Forgotten Massacre. At the time of the bombing, David recalls that his father was in a shop on Railway Road when the bomb went off and he was blown to the back of the building. David said that he survived the blast thanks to a car between the vehicle he and his mother were in and the explosion. David liked to use the word survivor as the victims were the people who lost their lives and their families. And David said, we were a very fortunate family that all three of us who were there that day survived. He was pleased to see and attend the installation service for a memorial plaque on Railway Road on the 49th anniversary of the bomb in June this year. This was a result of a motion proposed by Councillor Alan McLean, who cannot be here today as he is in Wales but he sends his apologies. David said all he wanted was a plaque, but in addition, a memorial will, now will also be installed in the diamond in the centre of Corain. His campaign for a permanent memorial will ensure that what happened on that day in June 1973 will no longer be allowed to be forgotten. This, together, with raising and highlighting epilepsy at the highest level will be David's legacy. Another goal, another goal that David set was to see the son of George Robinson elected to the Northern Ireland Assembly. That was fulfilled on the 7th of May 2022, something that Alan publicly acknowledged following his election. And finally, David was given a time frame for the end of life on this earth, and that was the end of August. He fought his cancer with great dignity, grace and fortitude, and he was forever grateful and full of praise for the cares who attended to him in his new home in Raffine Fold, the staff at Causeway Hospital, and staff at McMillan Cancer Unit Antrim Hospital. 
One word that has come up to describe David is loyal. He was loyal to his employer, to his friends, and through some disappointments, he remained loyal to the DUP. He was funny, kind, generous, clever, and a gentleman. Phyllis and I regarded David as a very close friend and confidant. He will be sorely missed. The Bible says, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. I believe the Bible truths that David learned growing up as a child in Glenmanus Reformed Presbyterian Church where his family worshipped stayed with David. Most important, David confessed that he had the assurance of salvation and eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who he knew as his own and personal saviour. Finally, I extend my prayers to David's sister, Alison, brother-in-law, Terry, and entire family circle, and to his many friends. Well, Mark, thank you so, so much for bringing that very fitting tribute to David. It's not easy speaking about somebody that you love and care for in a situation like this. And I know that David viewed Mark and Phyllis and held them in very high esteem, along with everybody along the front row here and others as well. And he used to say to me that Mark Fielding is like a brother from a different, a brother from another mother, was the way he used to put it. And, um, uh, we really appreciate that, Mark, so thank you so much. Friends, just in the time that's left, I want to read a few verses that are very well known from John's Gospel, chapter 14. And sometimes you only think about verses like this at a time like this. But I pray that God will use them to challenge us and encourage us in these days. John 14, the Savior, the Son of God, is the speaker. He's soon to leave the disciples to go to the cross. And so it's a very difficult time for the followers of the Lord. And he is very much aware of how it lies with their hearts. He knows their fear. He knows their anxiety. He knows their worries. And it's the same with us today. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows exactly who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what we are. And he knows how we are. And if we read the Word of God, especially the New Testament, and when we learn anything about the Savior, we certainly learn that He is interested in individuals like you and individuals like my, me, individuals like David. And here He says to His disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. We'll just end at verse 6, and we know God will bless the reading of his word together. Verse 1 begins with the dilemma of the disciples. They were troubled. 
They were afraid. They were anxious. They didn't really know what the future held. And so many of the hopes and so many of the dreams and aspirations that they'd held to for almost three years now seemed to be lying in tatters at their feet because the Lord had told them that he was going to be leaving to go to a cross. And that was something that none of them could really understand. And they were all wondering, now where do we go from here? What now? What does the future hold for us? Their hearts were troubled. And the Savior knew all about that. And I'm sure today in the law of averages, there are those here this afternoon, and you come to a service like this, not just because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in today, attending a funeral service, but even outside of that, circumstances in life, burdens that we carry within our hearts, fears that we have within our minds and thoughts, things maybe buried away there in the past, the uncertainty of the days that we're living in, not sure where we're going, we can be very much like these disciples here, full of trouble. And the Bible says that man that is born of woman is born unto trouble. The dilemma of the disciples. Maybe that's your dilemma today. You're troubled. You're heavy laden. You're struggling with life in general and all of the pressures of living in this modern society. But then after we think about the dilemma of the disciples, you've got the remedy from the Redeemer. He says, "Ye uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And so he encourages them to put their faith and their trust in him. Ye believe in God. They believed in God, yes, generally. And they had put their trust in God. And the Lord Jesus reminds them here, trust me. You can trust me, you can put your faith and confidence in me. And that's a wonderful thing in the midst of all of the troubles of life, to be able to have faith in this wonderful God, this wonderful, wonderful Savior. And with all of David's troubles in recent months, he found that Jesus Christ was worthy of his trust, worthy of his confidence. And whosoever believeth in him, the Bible says, shall not be ashamed. And then thinking about the dilemma of the disciples and the remedy of the Redeemer, there's also mention in verses 2 and 3 of the hope of heaven. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And he's ever reminding his disciples here that this world is not our final home. The Bible speaks about a home eternal in the heavens. And heaven is every bit as real as this world we're living in today. The word that's translated place there, I go to prepare a place for you, is a Greek word topos from which we get the word topography. And the Lord is speaking therefore about a real literal place. And he's reminding his followers here that there's an afterlife, there's a great eternity for us to enjoy if we have put our faith and trust in the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing to have the hope of heaven. I wonder today, do you have that hope of heaven? Not a blind hope, but a sure and certain hope. Because there's only one alternative to heaven. And then in verse 3 as well, you've got the reality of his return. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And the Lord clearly reminds us 
That is, he came the first time, he's coming back again the second time. And so many people that I meet in the work that I do, they talk about the day and age that we're living in, Christian people and non-Christian people, and so many are saying that the world's going mad, and we've never lived in days like this before, and everything seems to be so unstable and so uncertain, and we're living in a day and a generation and a, a society that we've never really experienced the like of before. And I think it's all pointing, if you read Matthew 24, to the coming again of the Savior, who said, Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. And he's coming back again for those who have believed in him and trusted him. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. So you've got the dilemma of the disciples. You've got the remedy of the Redeemer. You've got the hope of heaven. You've got the reality of his return. And then you've also got here in verse 5 the trouble with Thomas. We often talk about doubting Thomas. And I'm so glad that the Bible just presents the disciples as they really were. They weren't supermen. They weren't hyper-spiritual. They all had their faults and feelings and their various characteristics and personality traits. Peter was often brash and bold and foolhardy. John was quiet and timid. James was uh, like a son of thunder. Others were just different in their thinking. But Thomas, Thomas was the doubter. And as the Lord speaks about heaven, and as the Lord speaks about home, and is coming back again, and talks about this great mansion that's prepared in the Father's house, Thomas is honest enough to say, Lord, I don't know the way. Lord, I don't know where you're going. And I don't know how to get there. And he's really asking the Lord, how can I know the way? How can I be sure that I'm going the right direction? It's an awful thing to be traveling and to be unsure of whether or not you're heading the right direction. So much more so in life and also in the spiritual sense whenever we're all fast heading to the climax of life and then eternity. And he just asked the Lord, how can I know the way? How can I know the way to heaven and home? How can I be sure? And then in verse 6, we have this wonderful, wonderful text that makes it so plain and so simple. Because the Lord said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And just in the moments that are laid, very quickly, very briefly, very simply, I just want to look at those little words. I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. First of all, I am the way. That's how we can be saved. That's how we can get to heaven because Jesus Christ is the way. He's not one of the ways. He simply said, I am the way. He's the way to heaven. He's the way to God. He's the way to glory. He's the way to life and salvation. And dear friends, the word of God is very clear that all of us need to be saved. If the Bible makes anything clear, it makes that truth abundantly clear. The Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 12, we must be saved. And it says in that verse, neither is there salvation in any other. And it's speaking about the Savior. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What does that word saved mean? It means to be rescued. It means to be delivered. 
It means to be set free, saved. I wonder today, can I ask you, and I just want you to think about this question, are you saved? We must be saved from the pollution of sin, from the penalty of our sins, and from the power of sin in our lives. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is deviating from God's standard. Sin is falling short of God's glory. Sin is dethroning God and enthroning self. Sin is saying no to God and putting ourselves before him. And the Bible says it's a universal problem. All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. But it's also a personal problem. Because the Bible says if any man say he's without sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. But there's a way whereby we can be saved. And Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way. Just uh, earlier on in the week, I was speaking to a lovely older couple in Lisburn, where we live now. This man confessed. He says, listen, I'm not a believer. And I have all sorts of questions, and I can't bring myself to believe. And we entered into this discussion, and he was a lovely man, and his wife came along. It was just in the markets there in Lisburn. And his wife came along and she was a believer, but he wasn't. And he said to me, do you mean to say that all of these other religions in the world are going to be shut out of heaven? And I said to him, well, very simply, you know, it's not about religion. That's a big mistake that so many people make. They have the idea, well, if you're a Protestant or a Catholic or a a Jew or a a Muslim or a Hindu or a a professing Christian, that, that it's all about your religious group. The Bible said, I said to him, tells us that salvation is not found in a religion but in a person. And Jesus Christ said, I am the way or I am the door. It's like going to an airport and you're maybe wanting to board a plane to America. I says, you need a passport. And that might seem very restrictive to many people. Some might go to the desk and say, well, I've, I've plenty of money. Or I've bought myself a ticket. Or I've got a recommendation from my family or from my employer. And I'm a good person. And others are traveling along and you should let me on the plane. But unless you have a, the passport, the right passport, you'll not be able to get onto the plane. And Jesus Christ is like a passport for glory and for heaven. And we're all in a departure lounge today. We're all going to leave this world someday. I wonder, can I ask you, have you got your passport? Jesus said, I am the way. And he opened up that way back to God and that way ultimately to heaven and home through his sacrifice upon the cross, the shedding of his blood for our salvation. I am the way. That's how you can be saved, through coming to Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in him. Then he said, I am the truth. That's how we can know that we're really saved. I believe today that David had that assurance for a number of months that he really knew whom he had believed. And he was persuaded that the Lord was able to keep him. I am the way, I am the truth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was full of grace and full of truth. He was trustworthy. Sometimes in life it's difficult, isn't it, to find people who are trustworthy. Sometimes our confidence is broken whenever we take somebody into our confidence and sometimes people say one thing and they mean another and they spin things and they're not, maybe just don't have all that much integrity and we find it difficult to trust people. But the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him, believeth in Christ, shall not be ashamed or disappointed. 
How can a person really know that they're going the right way? This is what Thomas wanted to know. How can I know? And the Lord said, Thomas, I am the way, but I'm also the truth. And we can be absolutely sure and certain because of the work of the Savior. On that cross, you know, if salvation and getting forgiveness of sins and entering into heaven was all about ourselves or our works, our ability, our efforts, our church, our religion, we would never be sure that we had ever done enough. But on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ said, having offered up that sinless, perfect life as a sacrifice for sins, he said, it is finished. The work has been done. You see, Bible Christianity, the gospel, is not about what we can do, but it's about what he, Christ, has done. And the Lord has done it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. One old Scottish preacher, Horatio Bonner, said, Man is a complete sinner, but Jesus Christ is a complete saviour. And Jesus Christ saves complete sinners completely. The work of the Savior gives me assurance. The words of Scripture give me assurance. It's not about feelings. It's about facts. And having faith in the facts of the gospel. The Bible says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John said, who wrote this gospel, said in one of his letters, 1 John 5, he said, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Some people say it's maybe presumptuous to say that you know you're going to heaven. It would certainly be presumptuous if we said, I know I'm going to heaven because of what I have done. But I know today that heaven is a home for all that trust in Christ because of the work of the Savior, because of the words of Scripture. And then whenever you come to the Lord, there's also something the Bible calls the witness of the Spirit. The comforter, the Spirit of God, witnesses and gives you this peace and this assurance and this contentment within. I wonder today, are you saved? I wonder today, do you know you're saved? And then lastly, the Lord said, I am the life. That's how you can enjoy God's salvation. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm sure today there are some of you and you look at someone like me and you think, you know, being a Christian must be the most miserable thing in all the world. You have to tick all these boxes and you have to do all the do's and dodge all the don'ts and it just looks so dry and, and so boring. But I tell you today, Jesus Christ is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And in his presence there's fullness of joy. And he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Life, as it were, with a capital L. His life given for us. His resurrection life given to us. He gives physical life, I believe. He created us. He gives us spiritual life. He gives us eternal life. But he also gives us this abundant life, this life with a capital L. Many people are enduring life not enjoying life. But it's wonderful just to know the presence of the Lord with you day by day throughout life's experience. I wonder today, do you know where you're going? How can I know the way? That's what Thomas asked. And the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But if you come to him today, just as David did and many others here this afternoon have come, you can experience the wonder of God's forgiveness. 
I'm sure you've all heard of the name of Albert Einstein, the noted physicist, a man with a tremendous intellect, an extraordinarily high IQ, you know, E equals MC squared, and the, the theory of relativity and all of those things. Well, whenever Albert Einstein was an elderly man, he'd been uh, laboring and lecturing in Princeton University in America. And as he was getting older, his faculties weren't as sharp, he wasn't as mentally alert as he once was. And on one occasion, he was traveling on a train from Princeton University. He'd been on the train for maybe half an hour or so, and the conductor was making his way down through the carriages. And there he found Mr. Einstein, this great physicist, so well known by all in the train, frantically hooking through his pockets of his coat and his trousers and his luggage and underneath the seats. And it became very evident that he had lost something. The conductor says, Mr. Einstein, what's the problem? And he says, I've lost my ticket. I can't find it anywhere. The conductor said, well, Mr. Einstein, you don't need to worry about that because you purchased a ticket from myself. I can issue you another ticket without cost or without charge. I know you paid for your ticket. I know you're honest and you've got integrity. And if anybody questions that, you can point them my direction. Mr. Einstein said, sir, with all due respect, that is not my problem. I know that I purchased a ticket. I've lost my ticket. My problem is that my ticket tells me where I'm going. He says, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what station to get off at. And so you saw his dilemma. He couldn't enjoy the journey because he didn't know where he was going. It's difficult to enjoy life's journey if you don't know where you're going. But praise God, David knew where he was going. Thomas in Scripture knew where he was going. By the grace of God, I know where I'm going and many others know where they're going. But do you personally today know where you're going? Are you absolutely sure, absolutely certain? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What a day this would be for you if you were to trust in David's Savior and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Thank you so much for your attention. It's been really encouraging and Thank you for listening. We're going to sing a hymn together just in closing. Love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. We'll stand together as we sing. And then just remain standing, please, for a brief benediction and word of prayer. And then the remains will be taken out of the church. We'll stand together in just a moment as we sing. And we're so thankful as well that we have uh, Mr. Fowler here today. who's going to play the trumpet as well, which is a new thing for us. And we're looking forward to hearing this. So let's stand together in just a moment and let's sing this lovely old hymn together.
praise and thank thee, O God, for thy love, a love that's divine, a love that excels and abounds over all other loves. We pray that each and every one here might respond to that love and come to the Lord and experience the wonder and the joy and the blessing of God's forgiveness and salvation. Lord, we pray that you'll take us from this place of worship, even to the graveside, then to the hotel, and then to our homes in safety. And we pray that one day each and every one, by the grace of God, might find themselves in the Father's house. So Lord, hear and answer prayer. We ask it all in the Saviour's name and for God's everlasting glory.